This is Dan Fleisch, and this is the third podcast for Section 1.2 of A Student's Guide to Maxwell's Equations. This podcast is about del dot, the divergence, and the relevant section of the text begins on page 32. As you can read about in the first paragraph on that page, it was James Clark Maxwell himself who first used the term convergence to characterize the tendency of a field to flow toward a point. Now remember, when we use the word flow in this context, we're using an analogy with fluid flow that does not mean that anything is actually moving in the electrostatic field. Then, a few years later, Oliver Heaviside suggested the use of divergence for the inverse characteristic, that is, the tendency of a field to flow away from a point. So as it's used today, divergence characterizes the flow of electric field lines away from a point of positive charge. Now, as we talked about in the previous section, the integral form of Gauss's law is about flux, and flux is defined over an area. In the differential form, we deal with the divergence, which applies at an individual point. Again, appealing to fluid flow to understand what we're really measuring here, a point of positive divergence is a point at which the field carries more material away from the point than toward it. In other words, a point of positive divergence is a source of the field. Likewise, a point of negative divergence, a point of convergence, is a location at which the field carries more material toward the point than away from it. That point, of course, is like a sink or a drain in fluid flow. The mathematical expression of divergence can be understood by thinking about this concept of material flowing toward a point or away from a point if you imagine the flux through a small surface surrounding that point. We know how to write that flux. It's the integral of the field dot n hat dA. That is, it's the normal component of the field integrated over the area of the surface. Imagine forming the ratio of that flux to the volume enclosed by the surface. That's the definition of divergence, and that's what's listed in the middle of the page in equation 119. It says the divergence of A, written del dot A, is the limit as delta V goes to zero of 1 over delta V times the integral of A dot N dA. That is, it is the flux through a surface surrounding the point divided by the volume enclosed by that surface as you allow that volume to shrink to zero. I think you can understand physically why that flux gives you an idea of whether there's more material being carried toward the point or more material being carried away from the point. That expression, 119, while it's a useful definition and we will have cause to use it later, it's not the most user-friendly in the world if you need to calculate the divergence. There are user-friendlier versions, and we'll get to those in a minute. But first, I want to make sure you understand that in many cases, you can simply look at the flow lines of a field and locate points of positive and negative divergence just by understanding the physical concept of divergence. In order to do that, look at the three vector fields in figure 113. In the A part of the figure, there's a field. Now remember, we can represent the field by arrows, where the direction of the arrow shows you the direction of, say, fluid flow in the fluid analogy, and the length of the arrow tells you the speed or the strength of the field at that point. So in the A part of the figure, we see the flow lines are all parallel to each other, and notice the field gets stronger as we move up toward the middle, and then it gets weaker again as we reach the top. In the B part of the figure, the field is radially outward from a central point, and notice that as the field lines spread out, they also get longer. So if this is representing the velocity of flow, for example, the flow is actually speeding up as you move away from the central point. And in the C part of the figure, it's again a radially outward field, but in this case, as you move from the central point, the field gets weaker. 
Again, if it's a velocity field, the velocity is getting smaller as the field lines spread out. Simply by understanding the concept of what divergence means, you can look at these and make an estimate of where the divergence is positive, where it might be zero, and where it's negative. Imagine that these are fluid flow lines, indicating the velocity of flow at any point, and imagine sprinkling a material like a powder or sawdust on the surface of the fluid, and ask yourself at which location will that material tend to bunch up and congregate, and at which locations will it tend to spread apart. That is, will the density of the material increase, stay the same, or decrease? When you find locations at which more material is being carried away from the point than toward it, you have found a point of positive divergence. An area where as much material flows out as in, that's a point of zero divergence. And a place where the material is bunching up, that's a point of negative divergence. So look, for example, in the A part of the figure at points 1 and 2. I'm sorry if these are a little hard to read. I should have made the circles a little bigger so you could see the numbers better. One is on the lower left, two is in the middle right of the A part of the figure. And you'll notice that at position one, the flow has a certain velocity proportional to the length of those arrows, and just above it, the flow has a larger velocity. So if you sprinkled some sawdust in the region around point one, the material would be carried away toward the top of the figure at a greater rate than it would be brought toward point one by the velocity underneath it. Likewise, at point two, the flow rate above the point is greater than the flow rate below, so the material would tend to disperse from point two. Same thing occurs if you look in the B part of the figure at point three. It's right in the very center there. And of course, if you sprinkled some powder or sawdust at point three, since the field is radially outward, it's going to disperse that material. Now look back at the A part of the figure and look at point four. There you see the lines are smaller above point four than they are below it, and that means that material in that region would tend to bunch up at point four. The density would increase because more material is being delivered to point four than is being carried away from point four. So while points one, two, and three are points of positive divergence, point four is a point of negative divergence. First thing you should notice is that the spacing between the field lines, while important in determining the divergence, is not the sole factor. After all, in the A part of the figure, the spacing between the field lines is staying the same, and we see some points of positive and some points of negative divergence. So there's another factor you have to consider. To understand that, look at the C part of the figure. Point five, pretty clearly positive divergence. Clearly the material is being carried radially away from that point. But look at points six and seven. Are those going to be positive, negative, or zero divergence? A little hard to tell. The field lines are certainly spreading out at point six and point seven. So you might think, well, the material is going to be dispersing laterally, that is perpendicular to the flow at each of those points. So maybe those are points of positive divergence. But now consider the length of the arrows, that is the rate of flow. Notice in both cases, the arrows are longer coming into the point than going out of the point. So the question you have to answer in determining the divergence there is, does the spreading out of the material laterally compensate for the bunching together of the material due to the different flow rates? That's a little hard to see just by looking at a picture, and in order to truly answer that question, we need a good mathematical description of the divergence and of each of these fields. And that's what's given from the middle of page 33 onward. First of all, the first equation in the middle of that page shows del dot a. I've simply written out del as it was presented previously. And then the a vector is just the x part times i hat, the y part times j hat, and the z part times k hat. When you dot those together, 
since i.i.j.j and k.k is 1, and i.j, j.k, and i.k are all 0, this yields the expression given in equation 120. The divergence of a in rectangular coordinates is simply the partial of the x part of a with respect to x, the y part of a with respect to y, and the z part of a with respect to z. In other words, it's the change in the x component of the field along x plus the change in the y component of the field along y plus the change in the z component of the field along z. Notice this is not a vector. This is a scalar. We've taken the i parts, the j parts, and the k parts. When we dot a del into a, we got a scalar. So we have to add each of these three partial derivatives together. Now how does that apply to the fields in figure 113? Let's start with the a part, and we're going to assume that this is a sinusoidal variation of the field strength with vertical height, which I've called x. That is, the i-hat direction is straight up the page in the a part of the figure. And I've written this as a, the vector, is sine of pi x times i-hat. What that means is the field strength would be 0 down at the bottom, where x equals 0, reach a maximum somewhere in the middle, and then go back to 0 at the very top. We're looking from x equals 0 at the bottom to x equals 1 half in the middle to x equals 1 at the top, and that gives us a sinusoidal distribution of the field strength in the vertical dimension. To calculate the divergence, we simply apply equation 120. We take the derivative of a sub x with respect to x. Notice there are no a sub y and a sub z components, so we don't have to do those. When you take the derivative of sine of pi x with respect to x, you get pi times cosine of pi x. That expression is positive in the region where x is between 0 and a half, that is the lower half of that figure. It's 0 right in the middle, and it's negative for the top half of the figure. And that's exactly what our visual inspection suggested the divergence should be. In the bottom half of the figure, the flow lines are greater moving away from points 1 and 2, for example, than they are moving toward them, while at point 4, which is in the top half and therefore cosine is negative, you'll see that the flow lines are smaller moving away from the point, and that's a point of negative divergence. Now let's do the same thing for the B part of the figure, the first of the radially outward fields. In this case, this is supposed to be a three-dimensional field. We've just seen a slice through it here in the figure. Since the field arrows are getting longer as we move away from the center, this represents a field that is increasing in magnitude with distance from the center. I've written this as a is equal to r squared times r. That is, the increase in the length of those arrows should go up with the square of the distance from the center. In the Cartesian coordinates, we can write r squared is x squared plus y squared plus z squared, and the radial unit vector r hat is given on the middle of page 34. So we can write the vector field a as r squared times r hat, which is just x squared plus y squared plus z squared times the r hat vector. Taking the derivative of that expression with respect to x gives the equation shown in the middle bottom of the page, and if you add that to the derivatives taken of the y and z components, you get the expression shown just above the last paragraph, which says the divergence of a is equal to 4 times r. That is, it is non-zero and increasing with distance from the center. So that's a case where both the spreading out of the field lines and the increased field strength with distance from the center both serve to create positive divergence in figure B. Now look at the C part of the figure. Remember in this case the field is getting weaker as we move away. That is, if you think of this as fluid flow, the velocity is getting less as you move away from the source in the center. I've assumed that the field falls off as 1 over r squared. That is, as you move farther from the center, the field decreases with the square of the distance. Writing the vector field a as 1 over r squared times r hat 
gives the expression at the very bottom of page 34. If you take the x derivative with respect to that, you get the first equation on the top of page 35. Do the same thing in the y and z directions, add them together, and you get the divergence of a in this case equals 0. So exactly as we thought when we looked at it, the spreading out of the field lines, which is tending to disperse material, is just compensated by the bunching up, that is the shortening of the field lines as you move farther away, the divergence is zero. What this says is that for a field that's radially outward and decreasing in amplitude as 1 over r squared, the divergence is zero at all points within that field except at the very center. So I hope it's now clear that the spreading out of field lines is not enough to determine that you have a point of positive divergence, just as the coming together of field lines is not enough to assure you that you have a point of negative divergence. You must consider not only the spacing between the field lines, but also the length of those lines, that is, the strength of the field at any point. The last part of this section on page 35 simply shows you in other coordinate systems how to calculate the divergence. Equation 1.21 shows you how to do the divergence in cylindrical coordinates, and 1.22, the same thing in spherical coordinates. When should you use these? Well, it's very interesting to rework the problems we just did as an example, which we worked in rectangular coordinates. To do those in spherical coordinates, you may find it's quite a bit simpler. Applying this concept of divergence to the electric field is what the differential form of Gauss's law is all about, and that's the subject of the next section.